All right, today uh, we're, we're uh, starting a new uh, new effort here. I'm with uh, Bishop Brandon Pearson. How are you, Bishop? Doing good, thanks. Awesome. Just what you wanted, right? Be in front of a mic and, yep. and talking about your life. This is what I live for, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, we had talked about sort of just maybe recording some living histories of individuals in the ward and seeing there's there's a lot of people in the ward, right? What You just mentioned how many were, at, were in July of 2022. Right, yeah. So when I was uh, put in as bishop in March of 2020, right, right when COVID started, the week of, we were about 280. And yeah, July of 2022, we're approaching 750. So, and when you were put in, that was from a split, wasn't it? It was from the split. Yeah, the Parkview Ward uh, split, and uh, I I stayed in the Parkview Ward, obviously, and was called as bishop. The ward that split from it is Fireside Lane Ward, and uh, that's Bishop Wheeler. And so, um, I was when I moved. I I lived out in this valley my whole life, pretty Mm -hmm. much, but. Uh, we moved from Erda. My wife and I were, were there for about 10 years and uh, came to the ward. And I was thinking when I walked in, you know, being raised here, being very involved with uh, coaching and the community, I'm like, I'm going to know, you know, at least half the people in there walked in. Yeah. I'm like, I, <laughs> I know several, but not, a, you know, it was a very eye-opening experience. And so that was probably um, May of 19, May or June of 19, and then uh, March of 2020 is when I was yeah. called by President Givens as bishop. Nice. And then, so did you grow up in in Erda area then? I, I grew up in Grantsville. So I actually okay. grew up with my mom's mom and dad, my grandparents mm-hmm. in Grantsville. My mom was, um, she was very young when she had me. She was 17. Oh, wow. And her and my dad did marry. I, I remember seeing a, a photo of their wedding ceremony and I was in there. I was in the belly. It was very noticeable <laughs> that I was in attendance there, right? Um, but uh uh, was born, you know, to very young parents. My dad was very young as well, 18. And, and they married and they tried to make it work. But as, you know, having that much responsibility, being that young, that's what I'll often tell the youth is, you know, this is such a wonderful thing to have a family, but that's a lot to take on when you're 16, 17, yeah. 18. Um, you know, the law of chastity is, is there to protect us and to yeah. guide us and to help us. It's a wonderful thing. So um, anyway, they, I, I, of course, I lived with them for a few years in my childhood, but they, they ended up divorcing when I was probably four or five. Did they have any other kids? Um, they did. I have a full sister. Uh, and so that was me and my sister that's about a year and a half hmm. younger than I am. So I'm the oldest. And uh, um, anyway, they divorced and I stayed with my mom. But uh Oftentimes, she would take me to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and I would help out on the farm. They had horses. They did chariot racing, um, rodeo. Um, I, I went there and rode horses and, and helped out on the farm and just felt very very at home there. And I remember it was always a struggle to go back home to my mom after visiting Grandma and Grandpa. And they, they decided, you know, um, I don't know what the meeting was like. I was too young. But when I was about six or seven, uh, about halfway through my first grade year, year they, uh, my grandparents says, you know, just leave them with us. Mm. And uh, it was exactly what I needed. Mm. It, it really was. Just that stability that you felt like you're lacking? That or? stability, yep. And mm-hmm. uh, having purpose and responsibility. Because, you know, that that style of, I mean, they, so when my grandparents grew up, it was a whole different lifestyle, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so they raised me as their own kid. 
and uh, you you got up early, you worked, uh, you, <laughs> I mean, there was no, you know, I remember finally I talked him into getting me a Nintendo for Christmas one year and <laughs> thought it was like the greatest thing ever, but uh, I mean, that... The video games never um, never dismiss you from the chores around that need to yeah. be done. You had to get up early and feed, you know, feed the horses and cows and everything yeah. that needed to be done. So was your mom, where was your mother living at as she, so you moved in? So my grandparents were in Grantsville. My mother was in Tooele. Okay. And even though that's very close proximity-wise, uh, it, it's so interesting. I, I didn't see her a lot or or interact with her a whole lot always you know always loved her and my sister but it was as if i was part of my grandparents family now Hmm. and and, um and i always i often wondered if it was just hard for my mom to be around me if i reminded her maybe of what she could have done different or better or maybe i reminded her of my father and that was hard i don't know Hmm. i don't really know the answer to that did your sister move in with your grandma no my sister stayed with my mom oh interesting okay so uh, yeah and so we saw each other, you know, on special Christmases, holidays, you know, birthdays. But other than that, it's as if we lived in different states, even though we were only five to ten miles apart. Wow. Wow. So uh, there wasn't a lot of, like, week-to-week interaction after that? No. Yeah? Uh, hmm. Nope. Yeah, it was It was kind of, I was with my grandparents, and they yeah. were, I always called them grandma and grandpa, I never mind. Yeah, so you knew the, the dynamic that was going but, on. Yeah. But, yeah, but for me, uh, like, I finally felt at home and never really wanted to go back. Yeah. I felt like Even though there's a lot of work and responsibility. <laughs> yeah, that was hard, for sure. Yeah. But, but I knew that's where I needed to be, and, um, and looking back now, you know, now I'm at over 40 years old. Um, looking back, I, I, I know I could see the Lord's hand was in my life and yeah. training me for things that I needed to learn. And um, I, I notice I can look back now and see for every injustice that I felt was dealt in my life, he gave me uh, gifts or uh, talents to make up for those and or open doors, uh, you know, um, where they were seemingly closed before. So Yeah. Were your grandparents fairly active in the church then? Um, my grandmother was very active. My grandfather was not. Hmm. Um, and so that there was that conflict, you know. Um, <laughs> why are we going to, you know, I want to stay with grandpa and watch football or w- work with the horses or whatever. My grandma was uh, an angel to always drag me to church and take make sure I got there. And so I had the that gospel upbringing for from her, I remember um, when the, they had been sealed uh, early on in their marriage, but then he he kind of went inactive, and she, of course, stayed faithful and always has been to this day. Hmm. But I remember uh, when I decided to serve a mission, um, I wrote a letter. It was it, it was Christmas, and I wrote a letter to my grandfather, and uh, and I in that letter I talked about how. I was going to go to the temple. I want to serve a mission. It wouldn't be the same without him there. And I didn't really know how he would take that. He was the type of person that you didn't cross him, mm-hmm. right? You, you definitely respected him and loved him, but you were also – you obeyed most of the time out of fear because yeah. – There wasn't a lot of, like, touchy-feely moments no, between you and your grandfather no, growing up? not at all. <laughs> Okay. Maybe some touchy, but it wasn't the good. Like it was like I'm gonna beat your butt if you don't do what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, so yeah. nothing that touchy feel, not at all. So I remember giving him that letter, and um, and I kind of sat back. He, we we had family around. And he was opening gifts, and he opened that letter up, and I just see, you know, he's reading it, and I just remember seeing his face go red. And he was the type of man you never saw him get emotional unless hmm. it was anger. You never saw. Um, 
you know, him cry. Certainly not. He was a tough cowboy. He just didn't do those things. I remember seeing the face go red and a tear come down. And he turned to me and he, he, he said it meant a lot. And he said, I will be there when I went. And when oh, he, wow. he was the type of person, when he gave his word, it meant a lot. Hmm. It meant everything he would do it. So anyway, yeah, uh, I think it was April 21st. Was it 20... 20 the year 2020 or 2000 2000 uh-huh. yeah not not um <laughs> let's see it was 20, 20 uh, 2001 i believe april 21st 2001 and uh i received the my endowment in Salt Lake temple and he was there he was my I asked him, he was my escort, but I also had my uncle Dave as an escort to the escort because he was so new back <laughs> to the temple. He did a second string. I essentially out. had two escorts there. <laughs> well, that's cool. And we went through the temple. And later on in, in life, you know, um, a couple of years after that, he's, he moved back to Scipio where he, my, where he grew up. Um, and he served in a bishopric there. And, hmm. you know, he's active in the church today. And, and uh, it's interesting how, you know, what a simple thing can do and yeah. how it can kind of change the the trajectory of of someone's gospel are, are both those grandparents still alive they are yep. oh, wow. they're, they're both still alive great so let's back up a little bit just in those developmental years like was there a moment or maybe a year or two where you felt like the gospel was sort of taking root in your soul um, I think all along it was, and it was just normal, so I didn't recognize it. Like mm-hmm. I said, my grandma really made an effort to make sure I was involved in the church. I wasn't really involved in the scouting program back there, back then, but, um, you know, I, I, I played sports. I played football, basketball, baseball, all four years in high school, so didn't have much time for that. But I did, we, as a family, would often go camping. We would pack on horses and mules into places where people, most people would never hike to. Right. Hmm. And, and and so I had a lot of um, camping and outdoor survival stuff and experience that way. Um, But I think uh, the gospel was just my grandmother. And it's interesting now because we didn't like family prayer. It it happened around the dinner table, but it didn't really happen any other time. Scripture Hmm. study, never. I couldn't ever remember any scripture study at all. So those kind of things didn't happen, but she always made sure to take me to church. And um, so I get I graduate high school, and as soon as I do that, they move back to Scipio, which is where he grew up, and they build a house there. And I go down to Dixie College and kind of first time on my own and not didn't, didn't really accomplish much. I thought I was going to be – I went to private pilot ground school there and thought I was going to be a pilot and hmm. didn't really take school that serious. I did well in high school, but, you know, got on my own and just, just didn't really have any purpose or direction and – ended up coming home from there. You know, I kind of remember thinking, you know, what what are you doing with your life? Brandon, there's more there's more to life than what you're doing. Um, there's something out there waiting for you. I kind of had I remember just having that feeling and so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to I think I kind of always wanted to go on a mission but never really made a determination. I think I'm going to uh, try and do that and I actually ended up moving back to Tooele. And moving in with my mom, which is the first time I lived with her since, uh, as I said before, since I was like six years old. Hmm. And it was kind of neat to kind of build that relationship a little bit. And and I um, um, came home and, uh, you know, worked and then obviously prepared myself for mission. And I, I left, uh, you know, about six months before I was 21. So I was a little older when I left, but uh, felt like I did it for the right reason. And, you know, when I got out there, uh, I had to work to get on my mission. So, and I had been taught my whole life to work, 
and so I was definitely there for the right reason and, and, and worked hard and, and kept the rules. And I was blessed with an amazing mission president. I know you've met him before, yeah, yeah, President awesome. Chittister. And uh, him and his wife, they, were, they just meant the world to me. And that's where I really caught on fire with the gospel is oh, being cool. out in the mission field and serving. Because I'd never had that my whole life. I never had that. Uh, I mean, I had my grandmother and other influences around that were strong members of the church, but I never had that constant you know, uh, feeling of the spirit and, and learning from the scriptures and teaching others. And it just, uh, I, I really pinpoint that to my connection to Jesus Christ and, yeah. and, and my foundation really. Yeah. And so it wasn't necessarily like a strong, like social influence of friends going on missions. It just sort of, you had this reflective period of time where you thought, what am I doing with my life? Maybe I'll go, yeah. I'll do the mission route. Grantsville high school was, it was a small school. There's probably a hundred and, you know, 30 in my graduating class or less. So you knew, you kind of knew everybody. And it's interesting. It almost seemed at Grantsville like one year, the class, they would have a lot of missionaries go out and the next one, not so many. And uh, so I, I would say that my graduating class, there were a lot of, a lot of good missionaries. A lot of my friends went out and that certainly played a role uh, and helped out. But yeah, I kind of went, moved away. And it was, like I said, that, you know, I graduated when I was 18. I didn't leave for two two years I yeah. think, after that. So a lot of them had already been out and some of them was coming home. And uh, so, I, yeah, I would say it was more just kind of the, the Lord, like, okay, I, I've got a plan for you. I could see, you know, but you're going to need to go and serve. You're going to need to set apart time for the Lord uh, and you're going to grow up a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's it's quite a miracle uh, looking back on it that, you know, line upon line, I, I made it made it there. But uh uh, I, I just not one specific, you know, like an angel didn't come down and like call me to <laughs> repentance, like Alma, you know. But uh, it just kind of always felt like there was something more. Um, yeah. And uh, and obviously after serving a mission, I learned that you know there was very specific things I needed to do for other people that I taught, but for me myself. Yeah. And w- where'd you go on your mission? Uruguay, Montevideo, nice. Uruguay West Mission is. Where was I that? Uh, I mean, were there any thoughts of where you wanted to go before you opened your call? It's interesting. Um, I wanted to go Spanish speaking, and I wanted to serve somewhere close to the ocean. I see. I'd never been. I, I said I spent a lot of time in the mountains and that, but I'd never seen the ocean. Oh wow! Dip my fit, foot in the ocean uh, in person ever, and so I thought that would be the coolest thing. And so I remember it took it took a long time to finally get my call. Like kids now. Now, you know, they turn, they come and see me, and I, I bundle everything and make sure everything's ready to go and send it off to President Gibbons, right, or state mm-hmm. president. When the state president receives it, if everything's in order, they, they're getting their call back electronically in like 10 days sometimes, mm-hmm. two weeks, you know. And for me, I think the pro, I mean, the process took took a long time. There was even one time, uh, some, some people will know President Halliday, Kim Halliday. He was my state president that, that sent me on a mission. But I remember thinking I was ready to go and going into his office. And he just looked at me and says, uh, Brandon, you're, you're not ready to go right now. I'm not going to send you on a mission. Oh, wow. And it just I just started sobbing. I'm like, it's interesting because my first thoughts were like, well, what am I going to tell my parents? What, are, what am I going to tell my friends and family? What are people going to think of me, right? That was my... That, that's what I was worried about. And I, you know, I realize now that's, you know, not godly sorrow, it was worldly sorrow. Mm. But he was a priesthood uh, key holder 
for a reason and he and he was inspired and he knew that i really wasn't ready but looking at the timing of everything from if he would have sent me then maybe it would have been a different mission maybe i wouldn't have got the chittisters you know looking now like how i met my wife and everything the timing like it was so inspired but at the time like i said it was devastating to me like well you know what will people think of me but Mm. i had to work on some more things and prepare more and and it was the exact thing that i needed and um Obviously, I think it was close to a year later, went went back, and it was time to go, and, and th- things worked out the way you know the, the way they were supposed to. Well, that's cool. And then it's interesting, your relationship with the, the Chichesters, your mission president, or your mission leaders, um, they, they sort of stepped in at that moment where you needed a, that strong spiritual mentor. You had some other good mentors and fatherly figures, yeah. and, but, uh, and they've, they've been that for you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, President Chichester, he just... He, he had a way um, of just connecting with the missionaries and, and loving them, right? Him and, and his wife, Robin Chittister, they just, uh, you just felt so loved by them. I remember some of my favorite part of the missions is, is when we had, inter- we would have interviews every six weeks and, and zone conference and they would come and visit and you, you know, he had to interview every missionary in the mission. So the interviews weren't very long, but you'd have five to 10 minutes just to sit down and chat one-on-one and I always look forward to that time with him. And uh, um, he was a businessman, uh, you know, in his, his profession, and he, he brought that to the mission. He brought the, But the first thing he brought was obedience. It mm-hmm. wasn't a very obedient mission, and he kind of uh, – he was there in the mission one year before I got there. So when I got there, that was the group of missionaries that they were scheduled to go home with. So my full two years would be with President Chittister. I mm-hmm. was the last group to come in like that, you know. Yeah. And uh, by that by that one year mark, he had kind of gotten a hold on obedience, and so that's just what uh, you know. And I went out there, and I was I, I told you like I was out there for the right reason, you know. It took me a long time to get there. I was there to work, and I was all you know, President, whatever you need of me. And I remember my first interview, almost crying to him, like I don't know what the people are saying. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm doing any good. And he just kind of looked at me and chuckled. And he's like, your time will come. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting some sort of, you know, it's okay, pat you on the back. He's like, yeah, your time will come. You're fine. See you later. You know, yeah. like, see you later. Get to work. <laughs> he wasn't and, worried about you. No, so. he wasn't. Yeah. And, and I, uh, what you know, he had great, obviously, insight and inspiration. And he kind of like our Heavenly Father, right? He trusted me. And he's like, you know what? You're going to be fine. I know you. And I didn't know me at that time. I'm still figuring out the gospel, yeah. right? Yeah. And, uh Anyway, I uh, had a chance to serve um, uh, as a you know a district leader, a, a zone leader, and eventually a, as one of his assistants, and so got to know him very well. Mm. And uh, I would just do anything for the man. And and matter of fact, at the end of the, I told you I was scheduled to come home with them. He he approached me and said, you know, Elder Pearson, um, I want you to consider staying an extra six weeks. Um, we're going to be leaving. A new mission president's going to be coming in. I just want the new mission president to get his feet on the ground, and I want leaders in the mission that I don't have to worry about that they can just make sure things are good. Hmm. And you know, I didn't have anything going on. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing in life still, and and uh, I says, okay, president, I will. You know, no big yeah. deal. I'll stay an extra six weeks. And so I actually served, you know, the two years and six weeks, and was scheduled to be home in July. I got home the first part of August, um, and then they. They were at the airport when I got home. I was supposed to go home with them, but they were at the airport. Oh, cool. but, but the timing, you know, the timing was interesting. Once again, I talked a little bit about timing before and how the Lord has a way of making the timing in your life work. I was home for not even maybe a week, 
and my mom uh, living back with my mom and she comes in the house she she cut hair and she had her shop out in the garage and she comes in she's like hey there's a there's a girl i'd like you to meet and i'm like you know return mission i'm like cool i'm all about you know meeting girls and (laughs) anyway it happened to be cammy my future wife at the time i didn't know that but we kind of hit it off and started dating but in my mind you know, I was going, my plan was to go to BYU, Idaho. Like my mission president went to BYU and I was going to try to be as much like him as possible and go and study business. And I didn't get into BYU, but I got into BYU, Idaho. And so like, cool, we'll, we'll do this. So in my mind, we know we dated for a few weeks, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to BYU, Idaho. Big reason is to get married. And this has been nice, but I'm going to, you know, <laughs> and we kind of kept in communication, but kind of broke it off a little bit. And Anyway, I had to repent of that. I, I so did you go end up going to BYU? I, I, I did go okay. for one semester, and uh, and then it didn't take too long for me to realize that uh, <laughs> what I was looking for was right there the whole time. And um, so I made it one semester at BYU Idaho. I actually came home after that fall semester, and we were engaged Christmas Eve and married that following March, March fifth. Oh, cool. So March fifth, two thousand four. Wow. Wow. So and I appreciate that perspective of timing, right? And and just sort of in hindsight it's maybe easier to come to these conclusions, but to just just see the see the hand of the Lord in your life. Right. Absolutely. Our our youth theme this year is Proverbs three five, right? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lead not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. And like you said, hindsight it's easy to see that. It takes faith when you're in the moment and things are hard. And you just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel to know that God will come through. Mm-hmm. God, you know, if you'll let him, God will prevail. And it's what's happened in my life. You know, it hasn't always been easy, but uh, he's never, never failed me. Yeah, cool. So uh, now you're in the you're in the marriage phase of life. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so how long has it been now that you've been married? So, the test. so March, yeah, March 5th, 2004. <laughs> so over just over 18 years. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this, this March will be 19. Nice. And five kids. Um, our oldest is Mercedes. And an uh, interesting thing about her name, my very first area that I served in in Uruguay, the city is Mercedes. Oh, nice. So uh, people often say, is it the car? You know, no, actually for me, it's my area. My wife, if you ask her, she loves the movie Count of Monte Cristo. Uh-huh. And the main character in Count of Monte Cristo is Mercedes. And so she'll say that and I'll say my mission. <laughs> we each have our own story. But So Mercedes is the oldest. She'll be a senior. Aiden will be a sophomore twin boys, Cash and Tice, that are eighth grade this year. And our baby's Adelise, and she's not so much a baby anymore. She's yeah. going into sixth grade. So. Nice. So when when you got married, you came back to, was it Tooele or Erda? Or? Yeah, we so we were married and, and bought a house in Tooele. And at the time, I was landscaping um, and making 12 bucks an hour. And we bought a house for like $100,000, which... I know to you listening today, that's, that's practically like, free. That is, yeah. <laughs> Where are you going to find a house? But back then it was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? In over our head, right? And uh, just totally. Huh. So I started taking side jobs, uh, landscaping. Uh, that's what I did all through high school. So I was pretty good at doing sprinkler systems and that. And my boss, um, who's a state president now today is kind of funny back, back then. He's just like, well, if that's what you're going to do, 
you just go, just go do it. And he kind of fired me. Really. What were you doing with it, with him? Um, landscaping. Oh, landscaping. So, so okay. I'd landscape with him during the day, like mow, mowing lawns and that. And then on the weekends and that, I would take side jobs and put in sprinkler systems. Gotcha. So okay. he found out that I was doing that. And he just kind of like essentially fired me, but kind of gave me motivation. Like, just go do it yourself if that's yeah. what you're going to do. And so I'm like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Brand new married, you know, newly married. Um, we have this house. I have a mortgage. Uh, no job now. What are we going to do, right? And so I just remember uh, talking to my neighbor. He was on this Tula City Council. And I'm like, what do I do to get a business license? And he's uh-huh. like, well, here's what you got to do. And basically had no idea what I was doing and kind of just made that leap of faith and started handing flyers out and ended up getting a couple jobs and just went from there. And so for two years, uh, uh, ran, ran business as a landscape contractor. The issue with that was the winters were very hard. There wasn't a lot of work to do during the winters, right? Um, it's hard to landscape in Tua County. <laughs> you got snow or frozen yeah. ground everywhere. So it, it was really hard. So I thought, you know, once again, that feeling of there's something more for you uh-huh. and just kind of, uh, and I had experience in construction. My uncle was a general contractor. So um, was able to get my general contractor's license in 2006 and kind of start to build that with small, you know, started with small job remodels, basement finishes and that kind of, kind of build that up. But then we hit that wonderful, uh, economic downturn of 2007, mm-hmm. eight. And I remember 2010, it, it was just, I made pennies that year and we were just struggling. And, um, anyway, the Lord, the Lord, we, we always, you know, we're faithful. We always served. Uh, in callings that we were asked to, uh, I don't ever remember skipping on tithing. Mm-hmm. And I, I often, you know, I use that testimony and strength now. And when I when I counsel people, like, look, paying tithing doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, and you're going to have all the money in the world. But eventually, it'll work out. And the Lord, you know, keep persistent, keep faithful, and the Lord will open doors. Yeah. And it hap- it happened for me, and I yeah. can't believe like I looked so to that that wasn't that long ago. I yeah. Mean, I, <laughs> I guess it's all relative, right? But, you know, 12 years ago, a lot has changed in 12 years. And the Lord has blessed me and my family uh, um, immensely, more than we deserve. But I I credit that to just uh, our faith and and, and living the law of tithing and and, um, being uh, willing to serve Him where we can. During that sort of that rough patch of the the economy downturn and whatnot, is there a story or a moment you remember from that just for like what it – to help maybe articulate and illustrate the, just the feeling of that uncertainty or what am I going to do? I mean, were you considering looking for a different type of job or doing other work or what did that I, look like in the moment? Yeah, I, I did. I, I was trying to figure out what to do. I, I always remember feeling, you know, I have the ability to do things. Um, I, I'm a hard, you know, I'm not afraid of hard work and rolling up my sleeves. Why am I so unsuccessful? Yeah. And and success, like I was very uh, involved with sports growing up, and I always wanted to win and be successful. Right, I have that competitive nature about me, and and didn't like losing. But that was one of the most humbling moments of my life. Thinking, you know, what have I done wrong? Mm. Um, I, I uh, I'm trying. It's not like I was sitting at home, you know, just uh, playing video games or trying to live off. Um, you know, uh, the government, not that that's bad because we were benefit beneficiaries of that with Medicaid. It saved our life with our kids, mm. but I, I, I never did try to take advantage of those things, if that yeah. makes sense. So I, I, I often wondered, you know, what is it that I'm doing? I'm trying, I'm trying, 
but I look back and realize the Lord, you know, the Lord needed to teach me and I needed to experience that and, and be be humble. I, I I remember Cammy one Christmas, you know, off as families often do, I don't think they realized how hard off uh, we were, but they would give, you know, as many families do, give you a Walmart card for Christmas or whatever. And uh, Cammy would take that instead of going and buying a gift or something neat, she would go and use it for groceries and, wow. and food and, and the things that we needed, to, you know. But uh, we just we just kept moving forward, and um, her parents were a big blessing to us. Uh, they had a, the idea of um, taking over a fireplace store that's been in the family for years. Her uncle was ready to get out of it, and so it kind of helped us do that. And it, that was two, February 2011, and from that point forward, we kind of never looked back. Hmm. And door, that, that's when the door started open and opening, and uh, opportunities came, and, and uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and here you are. Right? And here I am today. Rich and famous, right? Just, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know about the first two, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, so the the uh, general contractor just doing odd jobs, remodels, then it sort of grew into a home builder yeah. official. Like, that's just what you do. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the fireplace store gave, you know, people have asked me before, like, why the same business? You got fireplaces and you got construction. And the, the idea, and it worked well, was just the synergies, you know, in all of our homes, what do we put? We put fireplaces and mm-hmm. it kind of went together. So, um, and then as we as we began to build custom homes, you know, and take care of people and put a, a good product out there, word of mouth spread, um, and uh, and businesses kind of kept to grow from yeah. Kept growing from that, so. And you've always just built homes here in Tula County, or? Yeah, yeah, we've just, uh, the fireplace side of it, we do um, over all over northern Utah, pretty much. But um, the homes, yeah, I've, I've done remodels outside of the county, but um, over the past few years, there's been so much work and growth here that you don't really need to travel outside the county, so. Yeah. I figure why, you know, why do it? Yeah. So tell me about, like, just you know 18 years marriage with kids i mean just this this that father role i mean what would you say to your your posterity obviously it's not that you have it all figured out and you have many more decades ahead of you to right. to test some things out and try yeah. and be, become better but i mean what counsel would you have for people just sort of figuring out the marriage thing figuring out the the dad thing yeah uh that's a great question um one thing that I don't regret at all is I, um, like I said, sports has always been uh, a passion of mine. And so um, a lot of the sports the kids played, you know, when my kids were younger, a lot of them played soccer or flag football or, foot, you know, tackle football or basketball or whatever. And um, I, you know, I would co- coach those teams and people would often say, you know, how do you have time to do every, everything? And and coach, and then I got into coaching high school basketball as well about nine years ago. But my wife always said, you know, if if you don't have time to coach your kids, then you don't have time to coach other people's kids. Hmm. And so that was kind of the deal when I started coaching <laughs> high school. And so I always, you know, always coached their teams. And uh, looking back on it, though, it was such a joy, such a joy to, one, be be with them and rub shoulders and the relationship we developed as I coached them, but all the other kids their age that I met and, and you know, loved very much. And so I, I would, uh, you know, recommend to young families, just what, whatever it is that you're passionate about, involve your kids in it. Hmm. You know, whether it's sports or camping or fishing or reading or it, honestly, it doesn't even matter what you do. Um, uh, you know, when I was 
a younger father, I always thought chasing that championship trophy was the important thing when we coach him. We want to be the best flag football team or the best basketball or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> and now I realize, you know, it doesn't even matter. Like, it's just about helping them develop their talents and being with them. And um, the things that they learn in sports will go on and serve them well as they serve their Savior, you know, help them be better missionaries one day, I believe. Uh, help them be better members of the church if they learn hard work, working as a team, you know, respect for others, and, and, and many more things that you can learn from sports. So yeah. uh, I, that's one of the things I'm glad that I did. Um, uh, it didn't leave time for doing, you know, a lot of other things, but I definitely don't regret that. Yeah. And what would you say, like, that does your, the coaching experience you've had, like, what has that done for you as a, as a person, your own development? Um, I, I can look back to and see how I've grown as a coach, and it's helped me understand what's really important, uh, how to relate to youth, um, how to love them. And I, you know, I have so many connections now and people that I love, and you can have a lot of influence as a coach. And it, honestly, you, you know, teaching them the sport, how to succeed is one thing, but teaching them how to be better better people is mm -hmm. even more important. And uh, just kind of passing a little bit of what I've been given down. And uh, I, I've kind of seen, too, as, the, as I've committed to that or set time apart, uh, you know, I think in the church sometimes we think, you know, the only way to serve our Savior is through a calling. And a, a calling is a wonderful, wonderful way to serve Jesus Christ, but we can serve him in our community. We don't need to be called to a certain calling. We can pull over and help the person on the side of the road that needs it, you know. Whatever it is, everything counts to the Lord. Everything counts. We're all his children, whether they're in the church, we're in the church or not. Everybody is his children, and he lo he loves them all. And uh, you know, so anything we do to help another person, it, it all counts. Yeah. And so I often looked at, you know, coaching as something I can give back. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Now tell me about just being the bishop. Like called it in March of 2020. Like uh, how did that, you know interrupt your family i mean that's maybe the wrong word but how did that shift the dynamics of of your family and coaching and yeah. work and all that yeah uh an interesting interesting kind of story about that i didn't know i was going to get called as a bishop my i think my when you ask my wife she had a feeling but i never did but i coached in grantsville uh for five years and then the guy i coached with we were really close friends he moved back to pennsylvania and so I put in for the head coaching job there and fully expected to get it. I, I felt that I had the experience. Uh, we had a very successful program. You know, um, things were on the up and up, and um, I had good recommendations, um, you know, the, to the principal then at the time from, from people that knew basketball and, uh, you know. Um, and so I kind of expected to, to get the job. And I remember it was general conference, and the interesting thing, Last week we had a general authority preside in our uh, in our ward meeting. By the way, that that uh, that sacrament meeting was almost nine hundred people. It was oh, my, really? in my in laws that yeah, came yeah. home. He All served, those missionaries. Yeah, and, they yeah. served as uh, mission leaders in the Alabama Birmingham mission. So a lot of connections there and missionaries. And so the the sacrament meeting was just incredible. And we passed the sacrament with six priests and eighteen deacons. 
and and we did it in a very timely manner and i was just so impressed the spirit yeah. was so strong it was an amazing thing i told the boys after i'm like you guys passed the sacrament to the largest congregation in the church of jesus christ latter-day saints in the entire world today now i don't have anything to <laughs> yeah but you know what congregation likely, would have yeah. been better yeah. or big excuse me would have been bigger than that you yeah. know you don't pass this, the sacrament at state conference that those numbers were larger than a state conference yeah. so it was a very very neat neat thing to experience yeah. um so um i lost track of the question yes i know i was getting to a point there so the um just you're talking about coaching and then the or the, the disruption of b- oh, just being bishop okay, and yeah yeah so so where i got sidetracked is is uh the the pr- so when obviously the bishop usually presides in a ward, but the state president was there, so he was presiding. And then someone's like, "Hey, Brooke Hells, who's a general authority, is in the audience." Because my father-in-law served with him as uh, in the state presidency in Grantsville, so we invite mm-hmm. him up. He's now presiding, and he sits next to me. Well, uh, Brooke Hells, about um, fifteen years ago, when I was a lot younger, a lot less gray hair. Um, called me as a elders quorum president hmm. when he was so I, I I lean over to him like hey uh, I've grown up a lot since you called me as elders quorum president he's like <laughs> haven't you know haven't we all yeah. in fifteen years but that was a neat experience so anyway back to the general conference he gave a talk in general conference uh, about four years ago and I just remember when he was giving his talk I was at my son Tyus's baseball tournament. And we were driving, and I was listening to his talk, and the Spirit said, you're not going to get the job. And I'm like, back on the coaching. Right? Yeah, I'm yeah. like, that's interesting. Like, where does this even come from? And I continued to listen to the talk, and it came later again. You're not going to get it. And so fast forward, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday following general conference, the athletic director from the high school calls me. And uh, uh, he's like, I'm sorry, we're going to go a different way. And he's like, I say, you know what? I already knew that, and it's okay. And he was kind of taken back, like, <laughs> what do you mean you already knew that? And didn't really explain a lot into yeah. it, but I'm like, it's okay. I, I know it's right. Huh. I didn't know why. What, was I, it in the but, moment? Was it pretty devastating? Because I mean, um, you were looking forward to that? or Yeah, it kind of was, but I knew we were moving to Stansbury, and I just figured, you know, the Lord. And I had prayed about it, right? I prayed, like, if it's right. It's right. If it's not, it's okay. Because if it was, if that was the case, my kids would have went to Grantsville, mm-hmm. most likely, because I would have been coaching there. Um, but I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take this assign. Stansbury is where we need to be. We need to get our roots in there. And uh, Joe White, who's in our ward, um, was a big reason I went to Grantsville to coach. He was coaching at Stansbury, and he always said, "Hey, you know, whenever you're ready to move over, I got a spot for you." And I, I enjoyed coaching and wanted to still do it. And uh, so anyway, decided to go and, 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 and move, you know, move to Stansbury High School to start coaching. But what I didn't know is the reason I needed to dig my roots in deep in Stansbury. I didn't have no idea that the Lord had prepared for me that I would be called as a bishop. Mm-hmm. And I fully look back on that now and know that I, you know, being a head coach over a basketball program in a different town and being bishop probably would have, wouldn't have yeah, that's a know, lot. been a good yeah. mix. And so just once again, timing and the Lord, he's trusting in, trusting in the Lord that he has a path for you, even though, you know, in, in the moment I felt like, okay, I'm qualified. This is what I should be doing. Um, he had other plans for me and yeah, it worked out okay. Yeah. So let's pretend like the ward isn't, is never going to listen to this and just talk to me as Brandon in the role as a bishop, like what, what keeps you up at night or like, what's the... What do the tough days look like? And, and, and listen to that world a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, honestly, I, I, you know, if you're going to get called as a, as a bishop, uh, I've been called to a, a wonderful area and wonderful world. Like I said, a lot of these individuals I, I hadn't met before. I thought I'd know a lot of people having grown up out here and being involved in the community. But, uh, man, just amazing people that have been brought here to this area at this time. And uh, and I've gotten to know them and, and work with them and rub shoulders with them. And um, sure, there's things that are stressful and, and that, but it's such like we have a ward that if something's happening or someone's in need, they just step up and, and serve. And it's very rare that, you know, I'd have to go out and ask someone, you know, to do something they just go and do it hmm. um, from people called in leadership positions to just just members that are willing to just see a need and, and go and do it so um, you know I think I would say the thing that concerns me the most right now is just making sure everyone with a large ward you know having almost 750 members you worry that um, people are being used um, you know President Hinckley always taught they need you know a calling a friend um um, and I, trying, yeah. you know, yeah, and, and I worry, I worry about that. And, and, and there's so many people that are talented that don't feel like they're needed. And, and it's not the case. It's just, you know, as a bishop, we're trying to juggle, yeah. juggle the dynamics of just being a very large ward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, from here on out, I mean, is the home builder rest of your life, raise the kids, get them married, get missions, and re- retire someday. I mean, what any anything that you you sort of are reaching for in the future? It's interesting because um, just you know your kids when, when they're little they rely on you for everything. You know, from changing diapers. At one point we had three kids in diapers with twins. You know, <laughs> and my wife certainly I'm not going to take the credit for that. She did the majority yeah. of the work for sure. Um, but it, you know, you change it, it's like a light switch flips and you don't even know when it happens, but it goes from them needing everything from you to all of a sudden they don't need you, you know, and they're just off doing their own thing and they're independent and they're with friends and, um, and, uh, and, and it's a fun stage of life. I really, I, I do enjoy it. Um, um, sometimes you miss, you know, having, um, the control and the knowledge of everything they're doing, and and uh, you know when they're little kids, but it, it's been it's been fun to just kind of see your kids grow up. Like I said, Mercedes will be a senior this year, and she's talking about um, college, and she's wanting to serve a mission. And um, I remember um, giving her her baby blessing, you know, and gave her name and a blessing when she was an infant, and given her a blessing I was expired inspired to talk about a mission and I just thought this is very weird like this is a girl my firstborn should I have been doing that right this is not <laughs> and uh yeah but it's interesting the Lord knows who they are you know they come to this earth already with um having lived with her father in heaven before and having developed talents and abilities and and he knows what they're capable of and they're what they're foreordained to do and it's neat to see that come to fruition now and and um, yeah, I'm just excited for what the future brings. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, plan to keep on working and, and just take it day by day. No, no major plans as far as changes go. And um, but that's kind of way my life has always been. I never really had anything planned out five or ten years in advance. Some people are really good at that. I'm not that one. You know, I just kind of <laughs> roll with the punches and yeah. day to day. And and I've always you know try to do my best to serve the Lord. And He's opened doors for me that. I wouldn't have been able to open on my own. Yeah. Um, 
any, I got one more question for you, but any other like dynamic or story or anything that we didn't hit on or that comes to mind or? Um, not really. I mean, you know, I just look back and see how the Lord's had his hand in my life the whole time. Um, he's put people in, in my path that have blessed my life greatly when I've needed it most. And, and I trust that he'll continue to do that. Um, I, and so for that, I'm, I know what he's done for me. Um, and for that, you know, my, my motto in life, if you will, is to always try to be worthy and willing to serve whatever it is. I don't care if it's bishop. It's nothing I sought after. I enjoy it. I enjoy working with youth. I enjoy trying to help people. But I would also enjoy serving in the nursery. Like, uh, you know, whatever the Lord needs me to do, I'm fine to do it. Yeah. And, uh, and always will be, like I said, just because I, I have a strong testimony of what he's done for me. And how could I not? You know, when you come to know the Savior and w- what He's done for each one of us, you know, how how could we not want to help in, in return? But the interesting about that is you can never get ahead of Him. Um, you, you serve and you try to repay a little bit what He's done, and He He continues to bless you and and bless you beyond what you deserve. Yeah, and that's what I found in my life. It doesn't mean that you won't experience hardships or anything like that, but. Uh, he provides you with, like I said, abilities and, and, and gifts and talents and blessings and tender mercies to to move forward. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm grateful for, you know, I give thanks every day for, you know, people in my life, my treasures, I, I call them, you know. In the scriptures, it talks about, you know, where your heart is, that's where your, or excuse me, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I make mention of my treasures by name you know it's my wife and and my five children and and everything else can go you know the house um you know possessions you know they're nice they can go away but that's that's what i really place my value on and uh that's what's brought me the most joy so imagine uh, we get in our delorean and go 100 years in the future and you're standing in front of your children grandchildren great-grandchildren what uh what what would you tell them in a, in a brief moment? And if you had one message for them, what would you say to them? Well, I what what I do now, the time I spend with youth and my children is I, I w- would hope to help them in some way to connect to the Savior, because um, that's the key, right? There's no other way, no other name, uh, whereby men can return back to the Father, whereby men can overcome weakness, uh, sin, trial, sickness, death, whatever it may be. There's no other way other than Jesus Christ, and so. Um, you know, if if I'm in the future and able to come back and talk to anyone, I think the message is the same. I might have a better way of doing that or more knowledge uh, about how to do that, but the message would always be the same. And that's you know, connect connect to the Savior and uh, live your life, um, you know, in a, in such a way that you know, when the day comes, that you'll stand before Him, that it'll be a joyful reunion.